Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Before the pandemic, a bunch of my minister friends got together and formed a book club. I amuse myself thinking of what kinds of texts the average person might guess a group of ministers gets together to study. The Bible, you know, some classic and deep work of theology. Nah, it's an apocalypse book club, as in stories about the destruction of the world, which kind of is biblical, but. Friends invited me to join, and I shivered at the thought. Uh-uh, I replied. I don't want to spend my free time reading about major global catastrophes. It is depressing and scary enough with our own destruction and impending disasters out there. I would rather escape into more uplifting fiction. And this before the pandemic, mind you. Maybe you've felt similarly. But over time, they changed my mind. That is exactly why we have this book group, they responded. Because the world is being destroyed and there are impending disasters and we're scared. Reading post-apocalyptic and dystopian fiction offers an escape from denial. It gives us a chance to face the undercurrent of anxiety and despair that we might feel about what is already happening and what may be to come. And to do it within the safety net of fiction. When we talk about this fictional world, we have a safer vantage point and our imaginations can be sparked. And most importantly, it gives us a way, sometimes a fun way, to imagine our own solutions to the problems that characters are facing. This makes a lot of sense to me. The author James Baldwin said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Solutions and hope can only come when we are willing to engage and to imagine. We know that we are at a turning point in our own story and the massive disruption that the COVID pandemic has caused gives us opportunity to imagine and enact a different future. So my question is, what does that future that we hope for 
really look like? There's a particular genre of this kind of fiction that has been speaking to me, which doesn't just dwell on the destroyed world or the suffering society. These stories imagine how humans might not just survive perilous times, but thrive. These works of speculative fiction offer us a vision of the world as it could be. They effectively say, change is coming, but we can make it through. Another world is possible. Here are two examples. Emily St. John Mandel's 2014 novel, Station Eleven, enters us into a post-apocalyptic world, with a pandemic nonetheless, where surviving humans live in small, isolated settlements. Our protagonists, though, are in, of all things, a touring symphony. They travel from settlement to settlement, performing things like orchestral music and Shakespeare plays. In the wake of global tragedy, when scrappy survivors eke out a living, this group that is more like a family reminds them what they are living for. Their motto is, because survival is insufficient. I've also been inspired by an earlier work from the 90s that I'm rereading right now called The Fifth Sacred Thing. It's by the neo-pagan author Starhawk. It can also help us see what's possible in the wake of destruction. After a global societal collapse, one community remakes their world into a kind of hippie ecotopia in the San Francisco area, because, of course, in the San Francisco area, the streets have been ripped up and turned into gardens. Food and clean water is available to everyone, and no one lacks medical care. And the city's defense council consists primarily of nine elderly women who listen and dream. When a fundamentalist totalitarian force tries to invade and sack their resources, its residents refuse to use violence and refuse to give up their vision of a just and cooperative world. Instead, they each say to the soldiers, there is a place for you set at our table if you will choose to join us. In religious terms, this is the work of prophets. In Christianity, for example, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven has evoked a vision of a peaceful, loving world that we may strive for. In a way, a kind of heaven on earth. Prophets have cried wake-up calls, 
warning people of what could happen if they don't change their destructive ways. But they also call out what could be possible and how beautiful the world could be. Like the prophet Isaiah, who's also sacred in Judaism, describes a future where swords shall be turned into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, where nations will no longer study war. This is a kind of radical imagination. In their book on radical imagination, Alex Kusnabish and Max Haven describe the concept this way. Radical imagination is the ability to imagine the world, life, and social institutions not as they are, but as they might otherwise be. It is the courage and the intelligence to recognize the world can and should be changed. The radical imagination isn't just about dreaming of different futures. It's about bringing those possibilities back from the future to work on the present, to inspire action and new forms of solidarity today. The incredible writer and social justice facilitator, whose poem we heard as our chalice lighting, Adrian Marie Brown, invites us to imagine beyond our fears. She writes, we must imagine new worlds that transition ideologies and norms so that no one sees black people as murderers or brown people as terrorists and aliens, but all of us as potential cultural and economic innovators. This is a time travel exercise for the heart. This is collaborative ideation. What are the ideas that will liberate all of us? Science fiction and speculative fiction, then, are simply ways to practice the future together. Whenever we try and envision a world without war, without violence, a cooperative world, we are engaging in speculative fiction. And this is one of the things that we do together in spiritual communities. We practice futures together, practice justice together, living into new stories. It is our right and our responsibility to create a new world. In my family, the way that we practiced envisioning new worlds was through the television show Star Trek. I quite literally only exist because of Star Trek. My parents met at Star Trek conventions in the 70s because they both wrote fan fiction about Star Trek characters. They're on this call, you can ask them about it. Our family was fully immersed in this world, its quotes, its characters, its jokes, and its idea of a better future. 
Here's a small example that I've been given permission to tell. When I, as a rabbinical student, started attending Unitarian Universalist services here at Arlington Street, my mother had an understandably tough time wrapping her head around it. I'd call her on Sunday afternoons and say, oh, I'm driving home from church to hear, you're driving home from where? You're going to church? <laughs> my response of, it's not that kind of church, did little to reassure her. She finally came to a service with me here on a Sunday when she was in town to see me sing with the choir. I went over to her after the service and asked with some trepidation, so what'd you think? She smiled at me with some relief and said, it's idic, I get it now. Idic, I-D-I-C, is an acronym for infinite diversity in infinite combinations. It's unsurprisingly a Star Trek thing. Infinite diversity in infinite combinations is the basis of Vulcan philosophy and a concept that has been an important theme in my mother's own writing. In attending a UU service here, my mother saw a real-life human community living out these things that she knew as Vulcan values, celebrating the differences between us, being open to learning from many truths in the universe. She saw parents and toddlers, elder lesbian couples and non-binary teens, mystics and atheist scientists, folks from a wide range of cultural backgrounds and racial identities, all coming together on their searches for truth and meaning. After that day, I got no more grief for going to church, and she liked to start coming with me. This isn't an accident or an unintended consequence or side effect of Star Trek. It is a work of radical imagination, and it was meant to be, a way of exploring ideas that can liberate all of us. Gene Roddenberry, the creator and producer of Star Trek, wanted to show us the world as it could be. In the turbulent time of the late 1960s, Roddenberry was helping us see what could be beyond the edge of our imaginations. He showed us a possibility of a future when we've moved past war and greed, where neighbors are united in a federation of planets, where different races and species serve together as a crew, as family. Roddenberry described it this way. He said, Star Trek was an attempt to say that humanity will reach maturity and wisdom on the day that it begins to not just tolerate, but take a special delight in differences in ideas and differences in life forms. If humanity is to survive, he said, we will have learned to take a delight 
in the essential differences between people and between cultures. We will learn that differences in ideas and attitudes are a delight, part of life's exciting variety, not something to fear. It sounds like what we hope for out of Unitarian Universalism to me. So, my friends, the hurting world and the impending future need us to awaken our imaginations. What is it that sparks your imagination? What helps you imagine what could be possible? Is it a sacred text expressing a hope for a peaceful world? A work of fiction that gives you a safety net to imagine new solutions to our challenges? Is it the words of a visionary or human prophet who helps us move boldly toward a more just world? The radical imagination is not just about dreaming of different futures. It's about bringing those possibilities back from the future to work on in the present, to inspire action and new forms of solidarity today. Change is coming, but we can make it through. Another world is possible. There is abundance so long as we can imagine it. And together, we can build a new way. So may it be. And for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart as we share these words from Indian author Arundhati Roy. Another world is not only possible, she is on her way. On a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. She is on her way. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.